1: Hello and welcome to the RotoViz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Stéphane LeCoe, joined by my co host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire, Action Network, and of course, RotoViz. You can find us on Twitter at, well, me, Stéphane LeCoe, and Matt is Wispy the Kid. Thank you so much for listening. As you know, the podcast drops both on our College football fantasy podcast stream as well as the Rotoviz mainstream on Fridays. Matt, I know you got some things in your mind. Let's just jump right into it. Go. So, uh, it's not
2: really, I'm, I, we have this in here as Matt Rance as the segment, and oh, no, just that's not what my show notes say. <laughs> well, I'm trying to keep uh, some editing headaches okay. away from you. But so, Matt Rance, and the reason is. And that Alabama just signed the number one recruiting... Everyone knows Alabama signed the number one recruiting class in the history of college football, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, Alabama is recruiting at at a next level thing. And Alabama's coming off a national championship year. But I do think that there's this underlying thing that people don't understand about college football. And it's a really dirty side of college football. And Alabama is the like highlight reel of it. And I just want to read off some numbers for you. And um, so in their, in Alabama's class of 2017, they had 29 commits from that class. So pretty far above what most people are bringing in like 25-ish. In 2018, Alabama, hey, thanks, uh, 247, you're real slow. They got, this was their down year. They only had 21 in that class. Uh, in 2019, I, I'm pretty sure this is another big number, 2019, they signed 27. And then in this year's class, or I'm sorry, not, we're not to this year's class. They had 25 in 2020 and in 2021, they signed, I believe the total number is 27. So I just doing quick math for people, that's a hundred. And these are players that all still would have, uh, one potentially two years of eligibility and this isn't not including the fact that they're going into the portal and they're currently seen as the favorite for one of the premier linebackers in the transfer portal henry Tu'a. uh i'm gonna say to Tua, Tua. um whatever i understand people giving nick saban the credit um for building these rosters and for doing this um like being the greatest coach of all time and giving him all this respect. I do think people need to understand that this is the reason why the SEC will always dominate the recruiting rankings at the end of the year. And the reason why Alabama has been, has like nine number one classes in at Nick Saban's uh, time at Alabama is because he does not care if he is throwing kids off the roster. Um, so he will cycle players um, through the program because uh, I, I don't know if you know this, Stefan, uh, the scholarship limit on a normal year is 85 players, right? I just listed right. off well over 100 players that would still have eligibility and they're still going to the portal. I th- I would guess that in the next few weeks, you will see a rash of players, quote unquote, voluntarily ending entering the transfer portal out of Alabama because they were basically told, all right, you no longer have a roster spot here. And the one kind of dirty secret that um, people who are anti-pay pay the players always like to forget is that scholarships that these kids receive, 99% of them are not four-year scholarships. They are one-year scholarships. So these players are brought in on scholarships that after one year, they can be terminated and they can be released from their scholarships. So the schools have Uh, a lot of flexibility to turn over their roster in this way and looking at what Alabama is doing right now and seeing how they're building up this monster another year. You just have to sit here and wonder like, all right, who is about to leave the program? And uh, I mean, cool. Great job, Nick Saban. You just built a dynasty and you probably just threw out like three kids that thought that they were, they could have gone to any power five program in the country and because they were playing behind uh, four NFL players, they may never actually get to have a shot at the NFL. So it's just uh, I I felt like ranting about this because of the new the like pretty much all the rumors right now are that Tuatolo is going to go to Alabama over uh, I think Oregon was one of the key people I think USC was one. There were some early talks that he was with Alabama. I mean not with Alabama but with Ohio State, but I mean realistically it's just funny because they are getting the highest of praise and they deserve the praise for this recruiting class they put together. But it's funny to see how they never really have to have a year when they only can accept 19 commits because they flat out don't care about the right. roster
1: size. So yeah, and it's just not something that most people talk about. Like you said, everyone talks about, Oh, Nick Saban's awesome. He's such a great, uh, head coach, they bring in the best talent, they win all the games, and you don't really hear about the the players that are getting screwed Good. over in the process, and yeah, it really is a problem. And I do think it's it's worth talking about because it's it's again another example of how little control these players have over their their own futures. <laughs> and I think it's a real problem in college sports where these guys are not getting paid, they have very little control, and the coaches have all the control. Uh, coach can. Up and leave whenever they want. A coach can; they don't have to sit out a year, like you know. Like I know that's changing now with transfer rules being adjusted. But it just just another example of how uh, the pa- the power does not lie with the players. And and I think any small thing that can be done to change that should be done. And yeah, I, I think there should be. Uh, and I think you're alluding to this. I think there should be a cap on how many players uh, a, a school can bring in. I know that when I play NCAA football, which we need to do a whole episode just talking about how the game is coming back. Uh, But I digress. Um, Like you can only bring in 25 new players a year. If you give out 25 scholarships, no transfers are coming to your, your, your program. You give out 21, maybe you'll get four, but you have a cap on how many players can enter each year uh, based on your scholarship limits. And I, and I think it's crazy that a team like, you know, Alabama can just bring in whoever they want and then just kick off these, these poor kids. Like you're talking about, it's a real problem.
2: Yeah. So, I just needed to rant on that for a second because when I saw that coming in, I saw somebody comments on the fact that Alabama just brought in 27 players and they're still going to the portal. And I understand that there's the super senior rule that's in effect this year where basically any of the players that were given an extra year of eligibility due to COVID rules last year don't count against the 85, uh, the 85 scholarship limit. But they're pushing that number somehow because they can't have the space because they definitely don't have twenty super seniors. So it's um, it's just it's a unique thing to see. Uh, not even unique. It's a it's a kind of a a thing that you're not used to seeing. So yeah. But that was my little rant because we don't I, have a lot of news and notes right now, yeah. other than EA Sports coming back. But yeah,
1: that's the, um, thing. That's the only thing oh, that matters. Twenty twenty three, baby. <laughs>
2: But we did hint at this on our last episode. Uh, we started talking about uh, Devi players that we were really into. And we both made an appearance on the uh, campus to Canton college to Canton college Travis's to Canton. Travis's podcast. Uh, we both made an appearance and we started going over some of our favorite returning players, but he had clearly stolen that idea from uh, our show doc because we were already planning on talking about the top five players at each position in college football. Uh, so let's, uh how do you i mean let's start let's, off with quarterback it's yeah. it's easy um we're gonna hit our top five starting at five because well you always want to end with one and with the best right. player
1: that's right yeah so i'll let you go first here um give me your again this is returning players uh players that we will be watching uh on Saturdays hopefully and uh and i'd like to hear your fifth favorite for, for Debbie purposes, not for talent or all that kind of stuff, but uh, how you rank them for Debbie purposes um, for, yeah. So I think the, the one thing I always
2: have to clarify in my ranks is that the way that I look at these players is often, how would I make the draft pick? So yes, there, there are probably players that I'm off of the consensus that I don't pick. And it's because I would not pick them. So even though they may have some market value, um, out there I I tend not to just lean on that so I'm going to start with number five it's a player that before last season I said was going to fight for the starting job at Alabama and obviously Mac Jones took a step and uh he didn't but it it looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback this year and that's Bryce Young he is a 2020 uh he was in the class of 2020 he's the number one quarterback in that class according to the 247 composite ranks and so here the we he's a little bit more dual threat than Mac Jones, so that should open up a new element to the offense. I actually think if you are a like DFS player, he's probably one going to become one of the staples next year because I right. do think his legs are going to open things up quite a bit. The one there are a couple downsides to him. He is five eleven, and I know that in this world where five foot four Kyler Murray is starting quarterback for um, Arizona, height doesn't matter as much. I, I worry a little bit when I compare him to someone like um, another name we'll mention later, DJU. Um just that it's, it's one of those things that I do still think that there are going to be some NFL teams that are hesitant to pull the trigger on going with Bryce young. If he doesn't actually measure it like six foot tall, but the other big concern for me, and we did mention this on Travis's podcast is um, after they pulled in, the big four wide receivers that they all know and everyone knows at Alabama, the Rugs, Judy, um, Waddle, Devonta Smith, that they basically took a break. They brought in a few guys, but no one that really moves the needle. Obviously, there's uh
1: matchy. Bolden
2: and there's um garbage can Jesus.
1: uh Mechie. Um uh, but we they really, really didn't... did one day actually sit down and talk about why you hate because he's uh, bad at I football. I no, no, no. Some other time. We'll talk about it some other he's time. He's
2: bad at football. But so uh, that's my only concern with him. It's actually the reason why I, I you know, in an article I wrote for the Action Network, I didn't um, recommend him as a play on the Heisman because I do think that he's a little bit more risky just because his receiving core is going to be so, so, so young that they may not pass as much as we would typically expect from this offense. So that is my number five. Who do you
1: have at number five? So I think to preface this, me like when we go through these lists, having someone at number five doesn't necessarily they mean suck. we hate them. <laughs> you suck. know, like I feel like a lot of people are gonna hear me say this name, be like, why are you so low? And you know, like you gotta put him in an order. It's not that I don't like him. It's because you hate him. It's because I hate him. It's because he plays in the Pac 12 and he doesn't play for the ducks. It's Keaton Slovis, uh six foot two, two hundred pound. Uh he's gonna be a junior next year. So he will be eligible, which you know, is bonus points. But something that I don't really love about Slovis is just his lack of mobility. He did not finish any season, either season, I should say with positive rushing yards on the year, of course, in college sacks are countered against you as a rushing stat, but still he, he he's not going to give you points on the ground. He has never He has never had a rushing touchdown in his career, but what he does do is he throws the ball and he throws it all over the place. I think he has a lot of talent. I know that they're losing a couple of wide receivers to the NFL, but uh, they still have a a, a really good wide receiver core. They also brought in a couple of four-star wide receivers uh, that I think will uh, probably be pushing for playing time. At least one of them will be. Um, If I had to bet, I would guess that it's going to be, um, excuse me, Kyron Ware Hudson, um, a four-star recruit. Um, he was ranked, you know, in that 20 to 25 range at the position. So I think he could, could help right away. But Slovis is a guy who he's going to put up the numbers because of that, you know, the, the air raid offense that he plays in, uh, surprisingly his, his yards per attempt are, is pretty low. He didn't have a great year, um, from that perspective, um, he threw seven picks in just six games. So I am hoping that he can take a step there. Uh, but those are like, I feel like I'm being more negative than positive on him. Uh, but that's why I have him at five. I do think he has a talent. I do think he has the ability to be uh, a fairly high drafted quarterback in the NFL. He's got the, you know, he's got the the look of an NFL quarterback, if you will. So Slovis is my number five. Who do you have at number four? So this is, this is going to
2: shock you. <laughs> I've Kadan Slovis at number four. Um, Is that different than Caden Slovis? (laughs) I don't actually know how to say his first name. I think it's uh, So here's the thing about him. Uh, Here are the positives. He has completed 70% of his passes in college. He has 47 passing touchdowns, and he has an adjusted yards per attempt of 8.6. Here's why he's four and not two, like a lot of people may have him. He went from 9.4 adjusted yards per attempt as a freshman down all the way to 7.4. Now... With that being said, when you have a smaller sample size, when you are only playing six games, if you have a couple of games where you do throw a pick, um, and in this case, he threw a pick in pretty much every game, um, when you have those situations, it's really going to hit you a little bit harder than if you have a 12-game season and maybe you don't get the cupcakes that you normally would get. So I do think that there's... He is a player to, to watch if that adjusted yards per attempt jumps back over nine next year. I would fully expect him to be in that comp, right up there in the conversation with um, some of the guys we mentioned a little bit later. So I am a I, I do still like him. I'm a little more iffy on the air raid offense here. I do think that it maybe made him look better than he was. I actually thought that they made the wrong choice. Um even though I don't have him ranked, I do think JT Daniels is a better player. And um I if I were the USC head coaching staff, I probably would have stuck it out with him. But it's just it's hard to bench a guy that had such a strong true freshman season. So that is my um my number four.
1: Who do you have it for? So this is gonna be a super unpopular pick because yeah, yeah, I know I Uh, other people are way higher on Sam Howell than I am and to be honest I want to be a fan and maybe I just got really unlucky in the games that I watched he just had bad performances Um, but I am just I am just not 100% uh, sold on him being uh, the number one guy or even the number the top three guy so he's number four for me I still do like him don't get me wrong Uh, he is a you know, he's not quite as tall as, as Slovis, but um, 6'1", 225, again, going to be a junior. He put together like a really solid season for North Carolina. Uh, his interception rate was up a little bit this year, uh, but he also uh, was able to throw uh, for, you know, a much higher um, average yards per attempt uh, this year than, than his freshman year. He also had dynamic weapons. And I think one of the interesting questions is like what, what – what you know it's the whole chicken and the egg argument like is is how like benefiting from Diami Brown and Newsom being there or are they benefiting from him or both uh one thing that uh did concern me a little bit about how is in in games where they couldn't get the run game going first uh he he seemed to struggle he really did rely on defenses uh coming up to stop those um great running backs and Carter and Williams and and once that happened he was able to kind of uh let it loose which is why a lot of times uh, his second half stats were a lot better than his first half stats. But um, I do think he will be a very highly drafted quarterback. I could see him being the number one quarterback uh, taken in the NFL draft um, a year and three months from now, or whatever it is. Uh, but for me, Howell's number four, uh, unpo- unpopular, I'm sure. But uh, but that's how that's how I've got it. Yeah, you're you're
2: wrong for that one.
1: Um, yeah, so. This is a guy I do
2: like at number three. Um, I think if I was drafting a team that was a little more set and didn't need immediate assistance, this guy would probably be higher for me. But I'm going to put DJ Ulongalale, um at number three. And it's only because um, there are other players that are going to be there a little bit sooner and that there's a little bit of weight that I add to that. So with Ulongalole, he played, I believe it was three games last year. Um,
1: I'm not. I think one of them was just partial, but yeah,
2: whatever. I'm not gonna go and look, but right. La <laughs> is was the number two quarterback in the class of 2020, but he was kind of seen as the heir apparent to Clem or to Trevor Lawrence. They they went out and they got their guy, and I said on Travis's podcast, I think his floor in the NFL looks like it is a Cam Newton. He does have the the mobility that you don't necessarily expect from a guy that is that big like strong quarterback um he very well could be like a big ben early on his career was a little bit more mobile so i i see him as a very good quarterback uh option i think that he will let's see he completed in his whatever nine appearances this year he completed 66.7 percent of his passes averaged 8.7 adjusted yards per attempt and threw five pit, or five touchdowns to zero interceptions and I did mention his running ability. He did score four rushing touchdowns on 28 attempts. So it shows at least a willingness to run when the situation works out in his favor. So I think he's a really interesting prospect. And we talked about Slovis having the look. Longole is six is four, 250. Yeah. yeah, that dude has the look of a linebacker who's just playing quarterback, but is also the best quarterback on most rosters. So I'm a huge fan. I think he is special and yeah I mean no reason to doubt him it's just a matter of do you have the ability to wait two years
1: right and and that's a good question and that kind of brings up uh my number three who you've already talked about and that's Bryce Young I love this guy uh he did not have anything worth talking about this year as far as stats because Mac Jones obviously was just fine but um Bryce Young was the number one dual threat quarterback um, in his class. Uh, his two four seven composite score was a nine 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 four, so like about as high as you can friggin' get. Uh, he has been a just a, a winner at every level. Um, he won the. He was the like the MVP of the All American Bowl or whatever. Like he, he's an awesome player. I'm excited to see what he can do. What I love about him is that dual threat ability, which in fantasy is so important. He's gonna be drafted. Um, I mean, it's impossible to say because we're so far away, but um, he's going to be drafted high. He's going to be expected to be a franchise quarterback. And I, I think he's going to really flourish in the NFL. I think the, uh, the rushing floor is uh, kind of what sets my, again, like we're talking about these top three guys, uh, that's what sets Bryce Young apart from the number four, number five guy for me It's just his ability to uh, do damage on the ground. But uh, we've talked about him already. Now, let's go to your number two, Matt, uh, someone who neither one of us has talked about yet uh, who do you I, got? So
2: by the way, you mentioned that it's impossible to say where players are being drafted. I do want to point out that our good friends over at Debbie watch have just finished up their second mock draft of the year. Um, so we do have a tiny bit of data out there, but they've done two. So I can, every once in a while I can throw in a draft position just be for pros or posterity's sake. Um, right now, young has, or was drafted at, in this last draft, he was drafted 7th overall in a Superflex league. So, wow. um In Debbie. So, just worth noting. Um, all right, so now let's jump up. Number two, it's my boy, because you hated him, clearly. Uh, Spencer <laughs> Rattler. Um, I've been a fan of this kid for a while. He was the number one, um, number one, I think, not player. He was the number one quarterback in the class of 2019. However, yeah. this was seen as more of a, It's weird now because that year was really downplayed publicly, but so many true freshmen actually started that year. So it's kind of a weird dynamic to say, well, this wasn't a great class. Well, okay, maybe it was an awesome class and everyone just misjudged it. But number one player or number one QB in the class, uh, people really thought that he played bad last year. And obviously we all remember some of the really ugly turnovers he had and him getting benched early in the year but completed 67.5% of his passes and averaged uh 10.3 adjusted yards per attempt. He's eligible next year. I do think with uh, some of the people that are on his roster, if he puts together another strong year, he's actually probably going to put, uh, not get pushed out, but be encouraged to go to the NFL. So I do think that this is a guy that will go early on in NFL drafts next year. And, Yeah, I mean, we're talking about he's one strong season away from being the number one overall pick. So I'm a big fan. I do think that he's very good. Um, How about you surprise us with your uh, number two pick?
1: Yep, I've also got Spencer Rattler. And I think you bring up a really good point. Uh, When I was kind of looking at the numbers, like if if someone would have before I like dove into it and just based on my, my feel for what Spencer Rattler's year looked like, they said, how many interceptions did Spencer Rattler throw? Um, plus or minus nine, I would have said, oh, I think he threw, yeah, probably 10, 11. He probably was over that number. But no, he only threw seven interceptions last year. And in fact, in his last seven games, he only threw two. So he really dialed it in. I think we all remember that shocking loss to Kansas State in the second their second game where he threw those three picks and really was a big part of the problem they lost that game. Obviously, you've got to blame the defense for that. But I mean, his turnovers were just so bad. Um, and I think that you know, that, that early season bias against him really kind of hurt him for the whole year. And even though he started really, really improving, um, we didn't give him, or I should say many of us, I know you did, but many of us did not give him the benefit of, you know, what he was actually able to do, like against Oklahoma state, which, you know, rivalry game, Oklahoma state was considered to be uh, a formidable defense at the time he went out there and uh, threw for 300 yards and four touchdowns and zero interceptions. Like he just did a really good job. I think he's going to be um, continually improving upon his game. Um, you know, being coached by Lincoln Riley is not going to hurt him at all. I think he could end up being like in this group of Oklahoma quarterbacks that are coming into the NFL and, and, and being drafted super, super high. I think he's going to be um, the next one in the, in that series. So I think Spencer Rattler has a hu- huge upside um, maybe not quite as mobile as, as some people, uh, could think or might, might think, but he still did have, um, six rushing touchdowns on the year. So he does have that element to his game. I like Spencer Rattler an awful lot. In fact, there's only one guy I like more. Um, but who, who's your number one? Well, so my number one is the person you disrespected earlier
2: on. Um, yes. and that is drumroll, please. By the way, I actually, before we do the drum roll, please. Uh, Spencer Rattler rushed for over a thousand yards in high school and had, yeah. uh, 14 rushing touchdowns. So he is a little bit more mobile than maybe you're giving him credit for, but number one is Sam Howe. um, so here's the reason, um, he's very good and he's available next year. Um, like I said, I think I would take DJU if I had a little bit more flexibility, but because I'm going to treat this as I kind of want to build up some guys right now. I'm going to take the guy who improved his completion percentage by nearly 7% last year, improved his adjusted yards per attempt by more than a full yard. And yeah, the the reason why people think he had a down year is, oh, he had 38 touchdowns as a freshman. Well, in 2020, he had 30. So it's not even like he had a bad year. He, he was pretty absurd. Two straight years where he threw for over 3,500 yards, has a career adjusted yards per attempt over 10, which is bonkers, by the way. And, um... Has a career completion percentage of sixty four point four. Here's you're you're entirely right though. We we both talked about him a lot this year. Diami Brown and Daz Newsome were very good players. Will he be affected by them? Yes. Um, And if he is, but if he is affected by them too much, then his draft capital will go down, and that kind of it's unfortunate. So I think it will we'll get to kind of see what he is this year, and I would say that he looks like if he takes another step forward, there's no reason to not compare his numbers to pretty much anyone in the country because he'll be just as productive. And I mean, his entire offensive line is coming back. So yeah, I I mean, be on board with him Um, for his draft position, just for uh, getting everyone figuring it out right now in these two drafts, he's averaged three and a half overall. So he was drafted three and one and four and another. So yeah, people are, people are in
1: on him. Yeah. Um, I mean, bring up good points. I, uh, I just like the other guys better. It's again, nothing, nothing against Sam. Um, maybe a little bit, but <laughs> my him. number one is DJ. Uyangalale. I love this kid. I think he is going to be extremely special. Um, the one, like he just looked great against Notre Dame in his, you know, that big, night game where every, the whole country was watching. And, uh, I, I think he is going to be, uh, phenomenal. I think he's going to be uh, a transcendent player at the next level. I don't like using the term generational because people use that term every single year about multiple players. And it doesn't make any sense to me, uh, but I think he's going to be special. I absolutely love the fact that he is <laughs> he's 6'4, 250 and can run the ball, um, effectively. He's got a cannon for an arm. Justin Ross, hopefully coming back, helps him a little bit as well. Um, We'll see what Clemson's wide receiver room looks like. They're also losing a couple of players. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. They've they've got a good young receiving core like Ladson and EJ Williams there. So so it'll be fun to see what he can do. I'm excited for him to kind of have the reins at Clemson. Um, Of course, he has to play uh, this year and next year before eligibility because he is uh, only a freshman. So you do have to wait a little while on him, but I think it'll be worth the wait um who's a dark horse guy someone not in your top five but someone that you could see um you can define it however you want someone that maybe you just think is underrated or someone that you could think could break into the top five who's a quarterback um and then we'll take a quick break and uh and jump into running back so i've mentioned this guy plenty of times over the course of the year and that's jaden daniels he is
2: six foot three 185 pounds maybe i don't actually know if i believe that 185 but whatever he started as a true freshman passed for almost three thousand yards with 17 touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, obviously, Arizona State had a lot of issues with games last year, so they only played four. Um, the The scary thing, and the only reason why he isn't in my top five, is actually because his completion percentage dropped from 60.7 down to 58.3, and that's kind of a concerning threshold if he isn't above 60. And his adjusted yards per attempt went from 9.4 down to 9. But uh, he did up his average rushing a little bit. He jumped up from a two point eight as a freshman with three touchdowns all the way up to six point eight with four touchdowns. And mind you again, those that was in four games last year. So um hopefully the full sample helps him. I actually don't think there's uh, a strong likelihood that he will enter the draft next year. So he doesn't get the the bump that maybe a uh Howl or uh Rattler get because I just think it's fairly unlikely that he will actually enter the NFL as a junior. So just, I I mean, he's a, he's a great player. He's a, he is a dual threat quarterback, despite the fact that his numbers aren't, he's not going to be like a run first, but he is a dual threat. So, um, player to watch. And, um, yeah, if, if you want to not pay up, I think he's kind of the perfect target to go for in like Debbie auctions, because I think he's going to be almost free and that's, that's kind of, if you don't want to pay up for like a howler, or a rattler, Daniels is a guy you can get for
1: nothing. Yeah. I actually just acquired him in a trade for almost nothing in one of my Debbie leagues. And it was fantastic. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, a, a gentleman that you've already mentioned um, earlier in passing and um, shares the same last name as Jaden. It's JT Daniels, uh, quarterback for Georgia. I am really excited about what he can do. Um, I think the skill is there. I get a little bit nervous just with the offense that they do just love to rely on the running game and they don't mind winning (laughs) 27 to 10 um, with three rushing touchdowns. But he, he, he started this season um, late, of course, uh, all the controversy, but uh, his first game against Mississippi state um, back in November, uh, he threw for over 400 yards and four touchdowns, absolutely stellar game. And he ended up finishing the year really, really well. I mean, he played against that Cincinnati defense, which was really good. He was able to put up 390 yards um, and a touchdown in that game. I think with with a whole season um, of games at Georgia, as well as an off season to prepare, I think he could be really, really special. He's someone to me that could really make a jump. And again, at 6'3", 210, he has that frame that uh, scouts will drool after. And I, I think he could end up getting some pretty significant... Um, draft capital I could see him going really really early in the NFL draft so JT Daniels definitely a a name you've heard before but for good reason he is going to be um, I think he's going to be really special this year Uh, and so I think yeah I think it's worth uh, talking about him so uh, just want to remind you guys we've talked a lot about uh, what we offer at Rotaviz as far as tools and stuff like that go please do check it out there is so much to do um, and so much to play with over there. Uh, right now, you can get a 10% discount if you use the code RVRADIO2021. So head over to Rotoviz, check it out. There's some great stuff there. Matt did a nice job explaining some of the tools that he, he really likes um, in last week's episode. Um, so yeah, so check out Rotoviz Radio again. The discount code is RVRADIO2021. All right. Uh,
2: so you know what position everyone likes to value? uh running back and you know why it's because running backs are important in fantasy football. And uh, you know what? I started us off last time. So I'm going to let you start us off here, but who is your number five running back? Or
1: as our show doc says, who's your number 10 running back? Yeah. I don't know why they did that to me. Um, so, so Zamir white, I'm just on a Georgia, you know, role right now. Uh, Zamir white was a guy who was, he was I'm a cool. recruit, a highly touted running back, People were very excited about him. And all he's done since (laughs) joining Georgia is is disappointed. (laughs) He's only averaging 5.3 yards of carry. Um, He's only got eight receptions in a a total of 22 games. And there's not a whole lot when you look at the stats to, to get excited about. However, I do think the skill level is still there. I do think he has the ability to really pop. I feel like part of the reason I have him ranked here is is more because like I think there's a a clear uh, elite tier and then a, a very 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 good tier and then everyone else kind of and uh, and he's my third favorite in the everyone else. So not a whole lot to say about Zamir White. I'm not going to be the one to sit here and preach and tell you that you have to use it, an early pick on him, but he is someone that I am looking to acquire in. Um, in trades because I think the value on him has really dropped and I could really see uh, with, you know, with Daniels at quarterback, I could see this offense taking off and I could see Samir white being a big part of that. So I respect that he's not in my top five. That's right. um, a
2: player in my top five is a guy that might actually be a little bit controversial because he just left uh dumpster fire and went to a team that everyone thinks is a super pass heavy team. And That player is Eric Gray, who is now at Oklahoma. So you mentioned when we were talking about Rattler, his kind of big turnaround. Um, Quick reminder, um, what was the other thing that happened when Spencer Rattler's turnaround happened? Stevenson returned. So Ramondre Stevenson returned. And part of the reason why that is such a big deal is because, well, uh, Oklahoma is quietly a team that really likes to establish the run first and then allow that to really open up the passing game. So what that means for a guy like gray, who is a pretty heavily utilized player, he did split time with Ty Chandler at Tennessee, but he is, he was pretty productive. Um, what that means is that he'll get a lot of opportunities, um, when defenses are sort of looking for the pass. So he should get opportunities for a little bit of production. Here are the red flags about gray, his career right now. He is averaging 5.1 yards per attempt. And I know, um, In passing, that sounds really good, but in the reality is when we're looking at pro prospects, we're really looking for them to get close to six because at the NFL level, it's only going to get better and better and better. So if you're only averaging in the fours as a college player, what are you going to do when the talent is even better at the next level? So it's kind of concerning there. But here are the things that we do like about him. Number one, he he immediately made an impact in the passing game as a freshman with 13 receptions uh, for 115 yards, so averaging 8.8 per Uh, reception. Um, this was a year where he was seen as the absolute second string on the roster, and he made an appearance in all 13 games, um, and had 101 touches and, or 101 rushing attempts. So as a sophomore, as Tennessee was very much a dumpster fire, uh, he, he took a little bit more of the workload on, he had 157 rush attempts, but the big thing for me that stands out is he had 30 receptions turn those 30 receptions into 254 yards, holding on at now, even with basically doubling his workload, basically holding on to the same plus eight efficiency. So he is at um, 8.5 yards per reception. So he looks to me like a player that has the ability to be heavily utilized in a passing game. So that should help out in an Oklahoma offense that has in the past utilized the running back in the passing game. So I think this is a good landing spot. Um, and I do think that if he can put together a really strong year, and I think um, based on the roster and what we saw from the non Ramondre Stevenson running backs, um, I think Gray's going to be the clear cut leader, assuming that the portal doesn't, I mean, assuming the NCAA doesn't like back out of there, they're going to make everyone eligible. So um, with him being very likely immediately eligible, going into a location where he should get a lot of really strong production. I really like Eric Gray to be kind of the breakout running back in this next year's class.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like that pick. I do. Uh, he was a name that, you know, just missed out on my top five. Um, if I was being influenced heavily by peer pressure, I would have pushed him in there just because you talk so highly of him. That's and good. I, I, I think you are, are, are right about him. Uh, my number four guy is Jerry and Ely. Uh, he is a former five-star uh, prospect. He was a number three running back in his class. Uh, super, super um, exciting player yeah, in, in both his freshman and sophomore year. He had a, a kickoff return for a touchdown, which I, uh, I know you love to, to talk about. And I like I like it when they had to score touchdowns. It gives me more to talk about as well. So that's super fun. He averaged a rushing touchdown in every game um, this year. Uh, his average yards per carry went down. But I think part of that is just the uh the role that the running game plays in a, in a in a Lane Kiffin offense. I'm excited about what he can do at Ole Miss. I'm excited uh another year with 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 Lane Kiffin. Um I think he could really really break out in his junior year. He averaged um you know just under 2 receptions um per game this year uh with, you know, 10.3 yards of reception. So really exciting player. I'm excited I'm saying excited an awful lot, but that's what Ely does to me. Jerry Ely is a guy that I think uh, doesn't have quite the, the name recognition because he does play at Ole Miss as, as some of these other players. Um, but I think he is extremely talented and I think the production will be there. Uh, so Jerry Neely is number four for me. It's fun.
2: Cause we're now drafting baseball players. So I'm also yes. for Jerry Ely. Um, He's really good. I don't I honestly don't have a ton more to add to what you said. I think he's going to have a productive uh third year. I hope he makes the decision to jump uh to the NFL after this year. And um yeah, I mean, he turned he he seemingly turned down major league baseball altogether so we don't have the the flight risk of him going to baseball rather than football. So I'm I'm a big fan of his. I hope he puts together a productive year because you may notice this list does not actually have a ton of fun in the class of 2022. Cause this class kind of sucks. And if he can become good, it will help. Right.
1: Who's your number four?
2: My oh shit. <laughs> I yeah. forgot I wasn't going first. Um <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> my number year, four buddy. Um, is Jameer Gibbs. And he was a true freshman last year. Um I totally forgot it. It's fun. He's not forgettable at all, I promise. <laughs> um, Jameer as a freshman came in, uh, had 89 rush attempts for 460 yards and four touchdowns. He also contributed 24 receptions for 303 yards and three touchdowns. Also, fun fact, he did a lot of work in, as a kick returner, basically what I'm saying is as Georgia tech said, huh, Jameer Gibbs guy, he's the best player on our team. We're going to get him to touch the ball as much as possible. When? Georgia Tech needed offensive production when they needed any type of explosion on offense. They went to Jameer Gibbs. Um, and I, I mean, we we talk about it all the time here. I, it's really good to see players get on the field as a freshman. It's it's even better when they're doing it a lot. And Jameer Gibbs got on the field a lot. He was a highly touted prospect. Uh, he was a pretty high four-star prospect. He was, he. I mean, he was deciding between Ohio State and Georgia Tech were his final two schools. So that should tell you the caliber of player he was coming out of high school. So yeah, I mean, do not he's one of those guys that I'm not really letting the 5.2 scare me away because he has such strong receiving production. I will say that uh, for a guy that is not eligible until 2023, um, you are going to have to pay a premium for him. It does look like in both of the Debbie Warehouse drafts, let me confirm this, um. Yeah, in both of the Devi Warehouse draft, he was the sixth overall pick. I would not take him there. There are other guys I would take above him, but I, he seem he's a very strong prospect. Um. Since I already told you our number three pick, my number three pick, let's jump back over to yours.
1: Yeah. So yeah, you had Jerry and Ealy at number three. Uh. My my number three has a lot in common with uh, Jameer Gibbs. He was also a freshman who saw a lot of production. He was also very highly recruited he was in fact the number four running back in his class and that is tank bigsby for auburn love this guy's production uh, especially because he just saw so much work right out the gate as a freshman uh, he had 138 carries on the year in 10 games um, he had 11 receptions i think he'll add to his uh, receiving prowess um hopefully you know hopefully Nick doesn't you know shut down that element of his pa- of, of his game um that could be a problem but Uh, Tank is just the, uh, he has the making of a true bell cow um, at the NFL level as well. He's not someone that you have to take out on third downs. I think he could be an absolute stud. Again, I bet you though, even though he's only, only going to be a sophomore next year, I bet just like Gibbs, he's probably got a pretty high price tag on him which means I'll probably uh not have a whole lot of shares of him but definitely a player I'm super excited about. If you want to hear more about Tank Bigsby just listen to any Travis May podcast cuz he will definitely be talking about him cuz it's like his favorite player. But I uh, well, Tank for me. For a guy that we both had we both really like
2: he is a basically a guy picked around the turn. So you get him in or around that like one two turn. So, i mean, I Price is going that late. Yeah. I mean, I would have thought him above Gibbs in most people's eyes, but whatever. Um, all right. Well, so our, our top two are the same players. So I'm going to let you talk about um, the player that you have at number one. And I will talk about yeah. the one that I have at number one, but so for number two, I have Brees, Brees hall. You have him at number one. So why do you have Brees hall at number one? I have Brees
1: Hall at number one because he currently is the best running back in college football. Uh, I I don't really know if that's all that debatable, to be honest with you. This list last year, he had in 12 games, he had uh, 1,572 yards and 21 (laughs) touchdowns. Unreal. He also had 23 receptions um, and two more touchdowns there. Brees Hall was the focal point of the Cyclone offense and could still not be shut down. Uh, the dude is amazing. I am really impressed by him. Just overall, like you watch him play, he's super explosive. He has great vision. Um, I think he's a complete running back. I don't think there's any real question as to who. Like if this, if if all these guys that we are being taught that are going to be eligible for next year. Like, again, he's only a junior next year, so who knows if he if he jumps or not. Hopefully he does, just because the class, like you said, is going to be a little bit um, shallow. Uh, but I, I can't imagine anyone, any running back, being taken ahead of him in next year's class. So to me, he'll be the first running back taken. He's going to be given a workload right away in the NFL, and he's shown that he is extremely capable. I love Brees Hall. I, I, I just um, I, I feel offended by you not having him number one. So I don't have number one because there's a better running
2: back out there. Um, It's just he's not eligible next year. Um, So this is one of those situations where I am just taking the best talent. This would probably be my number one overall player, and that's Bijan Robinson. So the things we saw from Bijan Robinson this year as a true freshman, mind you, this is on a Texas team that pretty much hates running backs. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows this about them, but they, uh, they just like to run their quarterback into a line and just say, screw it. So the leading rusher on Sam or for Texas last year was Sam Ellinger, who averaged three point three yards per attempt. Cool. So number two on that list was Bijan Robinson, who had eighty six carries for nearly double the amount of yards Sam Ellinger had and half the touchdowns. So um, Bijan Robinson, as a freshman, had eighty six rushing attempts for seven hundred and three yards. So that's an eight point two yards per attempt, um, four touchdowns. And then he did contribute in the receiving game in, uh, with 15 receptions for 196 yards and two more touchdowns. The reason why everyone is getting excited about him, however, is we all just saw the elevation of Najee Harris at Alabama, and it was largely because they had Sarkeesian there. So now, Sark is in Texas. We all we all saw that fun game. And um, if uh, Sarkeesian does to Bijan Robinson what he did to Najee Harris— He's doing it with maybe a dude that has more talent, um, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, B. Sean Robinson was one of the top running backs in the class of 2020, and he was the guy that Ohio State desperately wanted. He is so, I I mean, he is a complete back. The only question mark anyone has with him is going to be his breakaway speed. Uh, His 40 time may not actually be spectacular, but I'm going to be honest with you he's averaging eight yards per attempt, um, on an offense that, I mean, is anyone super scared of Ellinger as a passer? Um, I don't know that anyone is like terrified of Sam Ellinger as a passer. So next year when they have a little bit more of an offense that will lean into him, I think Bijan Robinson may become one of the, uh, more dynamic running backs in all of college football. I think there's a I wouldn't be shocked if he outproduces Brees Hall next year and that's on a better team. So I think it'll be an interesting year for both of them. I do like Brees Hall. I think one of the things that you uh, failed to bring up about him is just he, he did this as a freshman too. Like he was an he was an instant impact guy also, but he he really did elevate himself as a sophomore. So his freshman season uh, Hall had 897 yards and, nine touchdowns and he did add one more receiving touchdown. So hall is hall is a special player. I think that again, it's sort of where your roster is set up. And if, if you are a guy that is, I'm a running back away from winning. Um, yeah, just take the guy that you can get sooner because I think there's very little doubt that hall is going to be the number one guy coming out in the class of 2022. But with that being said, um, I just, I think Bijan John Robinson is something special and, yeah, I mean, I, with both of them, you're going to pay a high premium for. You're not getting either one of them outside of the top five picks in uh, super, super flex. If it's a one QB draft, good luck. They're probably going to be the top two picks overall. So, um, right. yeah, just, I mean, get one. If you can get one, get
1: one. Yeah. Uh, do you have, oh, let me give you my uh, kind of dark horse, a guy not in the top five, but I hey, can sim- fight you. No, I won't take your guy because you, you kind of downplayed him when I brought him up on Travis's show the other day. Um, and that's DeMarcus Bowman, uh, former Clemson uh, running back. He was a five-star, had a 99-09 score. He was number three, quarter, uh, number three running back in his class. He has excellent vision and burst, great pass catcher, um, kind of a, a Travis Etienne uh, style with his just ability to be um, – super relevant in all facets of the game he just transferred to the Florida Gators so that will be interesting to see what he can do there a lot of changes you know with the quarterback tight end wide receivers all leaving Florida it'll be interesting to see what they do you brought up the point uh yesterday that you know you are afraid that he might not see much work out the gate because Florida tends to uh rely on people that have been around for a while so it might take him um until his you know he's gonna be a sophomore this upcoming year might be before his junior year that he really breaks out but Bowman if you've got some some deeper debbie drafts where you can sit and wait on a guy to break out I think Bowman is gonna be uh, I still believe I think he's gonna be really really good he has the pedigree and uh, I think the opportunity will arise for him as well I'm good with that I think he's a very good player
2: I think that he I, I do just worry he won't see the field right away um all right, I'll say I'm going to give two names because one of them is a name that we probably should have mentioned between the two of us, and one of them is a name that I, I love. Um, so the name we should have said, um, because he's going to be a fringe first-round pick in most heavy drafts is Isaiah Spiller. We've talked about him enough this year. I don't love him. I think he's an average prospect, and but there, there's going to be a lot of hype this year with him if he's productive again. So Spiller is a guy that is going to be pricey, um, probably a second-round pick, maybe a, a fringe first-round pick, so whatever. Uh, the guy I love, though, and you can get him a little bit later because he is another one of those guys who was a true freshman last year, and that's Diamante Um, He is a running back for Arizona State who was a top prospect out of the state of Ohio. As a uh, true freshman, he rushed for 290 yards on 49 carries in four games. Uh, so that 5.9 yards uh, per attempt, It's a little bit worrisome, but the only reason I'm not stressing as much is because it's, it's again, it's four games and it's only 49 attempts. So I would have liked to see this be a little bit higher, but whatever. We'll see if it improves. If it doesn't improve, then yeah, panic season begins. But, um, with that in mind, uh, his debut game against, against USC. So arguably the best team that they had on their schedule, he had 12 attempts for 84 yards and two touchdowns. And I'll be honest with you. This was the only Arizona State game that I actually made an effort to watch this year. And was a super he, fun game. <laughs> he, he was the difference maker in this game. And honestly, like USC was really lucky to come away with this game in a win with a win. And the big reason why Arizona State was ahead was because of some explosive plays done by um Mr. Trainum. So I don't know why I call him Trainum. I mean why I call him Mr. He's like over a decade younger than me. Um <laughs> whatever so train him is yeah. really really good uh if you can get him for inexpensive he's a dude that uh heck you you still might be able to get him in even depleted debbie drafts he may not have been taken last year so he oh, may right. have back last year so uh if you can get him for pretty inexpensive absolutely do it
1: yeah i i i'm a fan as well and i think part of the reason like they had um they had a uh, Rashad White as well running the ball, so um, you know there was he wasn't just getting all the work, so that's why you know he didn't have as many carries. But I think I think you'll really see a, a jump there this year. Um, I like those guys a lot. Uh, I yeah. thought you were actually going to mention uh, Zach Evans, uh, another name to to think about. But
2: yeah, Zach Evans is great. But so you know, we should check in with with some of our uh, favorite sponsors, and one of our favorite sponsors. Is the Action Network. So we've crowned a Super Bowl champion, and now the NFL draft is coming up, which means it's time to think about how you can or who can win it all next year and maybe betting a few dollars on it this time. Around this time last year, the Tampa Bay Bucks were 22 to 1 to win just the conference, which meant that a $20 bet would have paid you out $400, more than that actually. So if you're thinking about getting into the fun of sports gambling, I just want to let you know about a great resources great resource for sports bettors, and that's the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in the sports betting uh, industry. Uh, and with an Action Network pro subscription, you can unlock unlock the very best of that app. So when you sign up for a subscription, you get access to the pro report, which I believe I referenced a few times this year when I was making some picks. Uh, which includes expert projections for every game across every major sport. You can see where money and bet percentages are going on every single game, so you can see where the professional gamblers are are betting. Um, And you can take advantage of the pro systems, which match historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. And finally, you can track every single bet and get alerts that you make in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription um, is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive fifty percent off an annual pro uh, pro subscription. Fifty percent. Uh, just go to actionnetwork.com now and receive fifty percent off an annual an annual subscription when you use the code Rotovis. It's so easy, I can't even say it. This. <laughs> will not last. So go over to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use the promo code Rotoviz to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. And also read some of my articles while you're there.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, um, definitely conflict of interest here because that does some writing for Action Network as well. So you know they're good if they've got Wispy the kid on their, on their side. Unless I pick Oregon stuff. So if you see me picking an Oregon game,
2: you might want to fade that one. But other than that, Uh, use their tools. I will say that pro subscription, I get get some benefits of that as a writer and-
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: I'll be honest with you. I look at that sucker every single day. I look at uh, the historical betting trends to see some of the better plays. Uh, Every day I get one of the Sports Insights emails that tells me some of the best plays across the NHL, the NBA, and right now college basketball. Every day I typically get three emails saying, hey, look, this line out there is one that you can go exploit. So it's, it's worth checking out. So whatever. We aren't here on the Action Network uh, today. We are over here on Rotoviz, and you know what that means? We still got some
1: Debbie stuff to talk about. Uh, so what, let's
2: get to, uh, quick, I would say our,
1: quick, what? Real quick, before we jump into the wide receivers, just another couple seconds from another one of our sponsors.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary the Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday June 6th only on Showtime
1: all right we're back Matt I know you were super excited to get to wide receiver I think it's only because you get to talk about a bunch of Ohio State players eventually um so yeah let's uh let's start off wide receiver huge we had a huge um we're seeing a lot of elite players leave this year we've got a lot of really exciting players taking off. And so it's kind of interesting to think like who's going to take their spot. Who are some players that we're really going to see rise? Uh, who do you have at number five? I'm going to butcher his name. It's Kayshawn boot
2: Bout booty uh, from LSU. He was a freshman last year um, pulling. Oh my goodness. I closed the tab where I had his script. We're going this way. We're going to go and use one of our, uh... we are not going to use that tool. Cause that did not work. Um, but he was an impact player for LSU last year. He did get on the field in alt or in 10 of their games last year for the national defending national champion, LSU Tigers uh, who were not great on offense this year. But one of the few exciting points of that offense was this player, Keishon booty bout, but Uh that's going to be my thing this year is I'm going to say his name 12 times. Uh, he had 45 receptions for 735 yards and, at five touchdowns. So he was averaging a touchdown on more than 10% of his receptions, which is always fun. He also did get into some of the fun on kick returns. He had four of them this year. So we always talk about how making an instant impact is really, really important for players and particularly when, so one of the things that I've had to do is sort of figure out where I care about career market share, where I care about some of these um, stats that we've used a lot in the past because, well, I don't think it's fair to compare a guy like Booty Boutte Bouts um, to um, someone like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who was in a wide receiver room that was a little bit loaded, or even some of like if uh, like EJ Williams from Clemson, who was in just a really really strong room. So it's harder to compare those two when comparing something like this. So, but he did get uh, it looks like it was about twenty five percent of the receiving yards for uh LSU last year he was their leading receiver as a true freshman um now Terrace Marshall did steal all of the touchdowns with 10 of them but Booty um had a yes. Booty is what I am seeing here I'm going with I'm gonna say his name 27 times every single no. time
1: no. <laughs> we're all we already go too
2: long as it is Matt um no so he Booty so he's I mean he's a really strong player he's uh he's a true freshman this past year. I think he's going to become the number one guy in the offense with Marshall going to the NFL and with their other strong receiver, Eric Gilbert leaving for Florida, uh, whether or not that offense is anemic next year. I have no idea, but he will be a little bit of fun. So again, another guy that is quietly becoming quite expensive. He went at pick uh 9.5
1: across these two drafts. Yeah. well. Wow. Uh, my number five is someone that you should have heard of uh, by now. I think, you know, early in his career, he was kind of um, a little bit under his production has been there since he was a freshman yet uh, with other big name receiver there on Moore, he went kind of unnoticed. I'm talking about David Bell, his freshman year. He had over a thousand yards receiving in 12 games uh, this last year. Uh, in only six games, he managed to put up 53 receptions and eight touchdowns, 625 yards. The dude is a stud. I really, really like David Bell. I think he is gonna be um an excellent wide receiver. He will be draft eligible after this year. He's six foot two, two hundred and five pounds. Um he was, you know, he he has the recruiting pedigree. He was a he's a former uh four-star guy. Uh I think he could really become a household name like I, I think people in the Debbie community like if you're listening to this podcast you know who David Bell is but a lot of people don't and that's going to change this year he's going to be someone that we're all talking about I think he um, has just absolutely huge potential I could see him being a a Calvin Ridley type player in the NFL so I'm with you on
2: Bell I have Bell at four um, so a couple of things that are just worth throwing out there so as a freshman, so. Remember, Rondell Moore did miss most of the 2019 season, but who cares? Because the guy that they looked at the minute that uh, Rondell Moore went down was David Bell. And so he had 28% of of their receiving yards and 24% of their touchdowns. So he had a dominator rating of 25 in six games for Purdue last year. He accounted for 34% of yards and 53% of touchdowns. And some of that actually was with Moore. So... A 43% dominator is pretty absurd for a uh, true sophomore. So it's a breakout season as a true sophomore and he is going in and now Rondale Moore's gone. So this offense that has been at least willing to be um, a little bit faster and a little bit more leaning into the past over the past couple of years, David Bell is going to be the number one guy on that offense. So if he can put together another strong year, I do expect him to get some draft capital and yeah, this is a dude that actually might be undervalued because he might, you you may not have to draft him in the top three and uh, yeah, he may get you that top three production for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my next one's maybe a bit of a outsider pick. I don't think many people have Marvin Mims quite this high, but the true freshman absolutely balled out last year uh, for Oklahoma he is not a large man at 5'11", 177 pounds. Um, I don't even know if he is that big, to be honest with you. Uh, but the dude can fly. Um, he had nine touchdowns in 11 games. I really like Mims a lot. He uh, he also did a lot of work in the return, both in punts. And, well, he didn't do a lot of kickoff returns, but he 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 was involved in that as well. Uh, but he, he was our main punt returner. Rambo's gone, I think. Mims is part of the reason why they will be just fine. I think Spencer Rattler will be finding Marvin Mims deep often next year. We're going to see him all over your favorite um, sports highlights streaming service. <laughs> I think he's going to be awesome. Former four-star recruit. Um, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. I think it would be great if he could uh, put on a little bit of weight, but regardless i think he has the ability to to really really impress i'm a huge marvin mim a huge marvin mims fan so uh yeah love it
2: i like that pick actually other than the fact that it's marvin mims and he's not that good but uh so um but i i do like it i think he's a talented player he's one of those guys that should be in the conversation for the top player of the 2023 class but I'm going to let's move on to number three. And it's a guy that everyone knows has my heart. And you're probably going to be a little bit surprised to hear him this early. And it's Chris Alave. Um, part of me really wishes he hadn't gone out as a, or had gone out this past year because he did have a breakout season. He was the kind of alpha on the offense. And honestly, I think he was pretty close to first round draft capital, but we talked about it when he made the decision. I think he saw Devonta Smith and said, I'm going to do better. And, um, it might happen. It might not. But so last year he had a 37% share of the receiving yards and 32% of receiving touchdowns. So he did finally qualify for that breakout season in his age 20 and a half season, um, had 729 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, once again, kind of keeping his absurd touchdown rate up and over his career, he has 111 receptions and 22 touchdowns. You know what I call that? I call that joy. Um, so Chris Olave is one of my favorite players in all of college football. He I, scratch that. He's my favorite player in all of college football. And I think once again, he's probably going to be the alpha on the offense. The only reason why he is not higher is purely because for wide receivers, I, I do like them to come out a little bit earlier. I think uh, it doesn't actually make a huge impact from a like contract standpoint, but there is some historical numbers to say that players that stay that extra year, typically do not um do as well in the nfl now with that being said there's a lot of reason behind that is guys who are elite prospects typically make the jump whereas four-year seniors are guys that may not actually be worth the nfl i don't think that's the case with chris alave so I'm, i'm hoping he's a little bit of an outlier on that front but because he is a fourth year player i'm going
1: to have him at my number three yeah i'll talk about him later uh, my number three is his teammate Garrett Wilson. Um, I like Garrett Wilson a lot. Um, I know he's going to be coming up on your list later, and as he is an Ohio State player, I will go ahead and let you talk more about him. Um, he is going to be draft eligible after this upcoming season, which I really really like. Kid is super super talented. He plays a lot. I think he plays a lot bigger than he is. He's he's six foot one ninety, uh, but he is. I think he has the opportunity to be a, a real alpha. On a NFL roster, super t- talented, pulled in six touchdowns in eight games. Um, I I think Garrett Wilson is someone who these top three. I think you can put their names in a hat, shake them around, and pull them out, and you know you can t- discuss the order. Uh, to me, they're they're all really special, uh, but Garrett Wilson is uh, is number three for me. Who's your number two guy?
2: My number two is George Pickens, and honestly, it's he's getting a little bit of benefit from having a really really strong freshman year. And then finishing strong as a sophomore, because I would say for the better part of the 2020 season, we were kind of asking the question of what's wrong with George Pickens. Why, right. why is he not in this like alpha mode that we were truly projecting? And we say that he finished in uh, 2019 with a 0.29 dominator rating. What do you think his dominator rating was in 2020? It was 29. So it was exactly the same. So, I wouldn't have guessed that. So he uh, he actually, it was fine. Um, over his career, he has uh, 34% of his team's share of t- receiving touchdowns. So that's kind of fun. Um, what kills him is actually his, I mean, kills him, air quotes. Um, his yardage is a little bit lower. So he's had 26% as a uh, in 2019 as a freshman and 23% in 2020. I do think that we started to see a little bit of that run at the end of the year with um with J T Daniels under center, and I hope that that type of stuff is what we're really starting to see become a trend. So over his final four games, he went eighty seven for one touchdown, uh twenty five yards with no touchdowns, and then against Missouri, it was one hundred and twenty six and two against Cincinnati, it was one hundred and thirty five and one. So there was a little bit of that, like starting to get the the rapport down with him. So hopefully, this is stuff that we continue to see. So I'm a big fan of Pickens. I think that you can make. I think most people will actually make a case for him as the number one, but uh, he's just he's not quite there for me.
1: Yeah, and I think that's fair. And I do remember earlier on in the year we were talking about his teammate being like, "Why is he out producing Pickens? Like, what is going on here?" Um, My number two is is Chris Olave, who you've already talked about. Love the guy. I don't dock him for um, staying an extra year. Like to me, he's still going to be. Just absolutely, um, absolutely insane. You mentioned that like he had potential first round capital if he would have come out this year. Um, like looking at mock mock drafts before he declared, yeah, he was going in the back end of the the first round. I think it's only like when you look at who's all coming back this year and who's left. Uh, to me, I I wouldn't be surprised if Olave is the number one receiver taken next year. So to me, he'll have the draft capital. He's got the production. He's got the the the, the size and the speed combination that is um, that is going to work out well in the NFL. Love Chris Olave. Uh, maybe not as much as you. Definitely not as much as you. Uh, but I think he's a great pick. Um, he's not my number one guy. But uh, let's hear yours. My Who number one is Garrett Wilson. Uh, we've talked about him a little bit, but things worth noting
2: is while um, Chris Olave did have a breakout year, was the number one guy in the offense, Garrett Wilson also broke out. He had a .30 dominator, accounted for 27% of touchdowns and 34% of receiving yards. One of the things that we saw from him was a move into the slot, uh, slot receiver role. So he ended up being the guy that Ohio State said, hey, linebackers and safeties, try and cover him, and uh, they couldn't, and he really exploited that. He was the number two receiver in the class of 2019 behind only Jaden Hazelwood, and uh, I mean, in his two years, he has over a, over a 1,000 yards receiving, so um, 432 as a freshman, 723 in just eight games as a sophomore, and 11 total touchdowns. There's not a lot to dislike, and he did... Uh, Start to be a punt returner for Ohio State um, across both years. I do think that that to me just shows that they have a lot of confidence in his playmaking ability. So uh I really like Wilson. I've thought that Wilson was the more talented of the two between Olave and Wilson, but I did think that Olave was the um the better route runner and a little bit better for um as a pairing with Justin Fields with Stroud. I'm actually a little bit interested to see. Who becomes the true alpha wide receiver? I tend to think that Ryan Day is still going to scheme up a way that Chris Olave becomes the uh, the heavier targeted receiver. But I don't necessarily think there's a big gap. Uh, my reasoning for having him above Olave is is 100% age. So it is what it is. So yeah. I, I think
1: you can't go wrong with any of these top three. Yeah, I will say, like, talking about age and stuff like that, I think, like, Alave, we know for sure, will be coming out next year. What if <laughs> what if Garrett Wilson decides to stay another year as well? I mean, the that only was- difference is the fact that Garrett Wilson was the number two overall player
2: in his, or uh, number two uh, wide receiver in his class. So he probably, at that point, was expecting a three-year career. Whereas, I've mentioned this before, but Chris Alave was a three-star prospect. He was a player that, by the normal recruiting standards is not a player that they project to be drafted to the NFL so i think he was expecting a 4 year career so it is kind of one of those things where if you come in knowing that you are a superstar and you're here for 3 years um it's a lot harder to say yep i'm going back than it is for a guy that maybe when he first got to school planned to be there for 4 seasons so it yeah. i think it's their unique situation but yeah i mean it's entirely possible everyone wants to be on ohio state
1: absolutely who would want to leave uh, my number one receiver is george pickens uh after jt daniels uh, took over the the helm at quarterback for uh the bulldogs he averaged 5.75 receptions a game over 93 yards and a touchdown so his production really really increased uh with with daniels at quarterback who will be of course there the uh the entire season next year ideally hopefully uh injuries aside i'm excited to see what he can do Um, next year I think he is going to be primed and ready to go I don't see why he can't be just everything we hoped he would be after his freshman year I think all indication says that that he will be so George Pickens for me has just insane upside especially in that offense like he doesn't have the uh, I don't think it's a problem having you know if you're if you're a Lave having Wilson on the other side opens up the field for you a little bit maybe but uh, Pickens is going to be their main man they don't have a ton of other um, elite wide receivers like him that are you know entering their you know most productive year so I'm, I'm excited for for pickens i think it's going to be an absolutely monster year for him and a little bonus he had uh, not only a great final game against cincinnati where he put up you know seven receptions for 130 yards and a touchdown he also had a solo tackle and a forced fumble so you know you got to uh you got to include that in your uh your analysis of pickens not really i like that uh, there's a, there's a in this oh, of I'm, gonna roll, I'm gonna roll off three of them okay well um justin ross is is the man for me we've talked about him uh last episode to me if justin ross is healthy like you can slot him in with those top three guys that we were talking about like with pickens alave and wilson because we've seen ross i was telling you before the show today i've been watching some some video and some tape on, on trevor lawrence just trying to get a feel for what it could look like, and I was going back a couple seasons and just seeing Justin Ross uh, when he was healthy and what his production was, and just his talent and skill got me super, super excited. So I'm hoping that he bounces back. I'm hoping that the injury doesn't keep him sidelined or that he doesn't get re injured. But I think Justin Ross has the ability, uh, just the, the skill set, to uh, be an absolute dominant receiver. Uh, so I'm hoping that happens. I'm with you on that. Um, so the three I want to quickly
2: rattle off are number one is uh, Jaden Hazelwood. Uh, I mentioned that Garrett Wilson was the number two receiver in the class of 2020 uh, or 2019. Number one was Jaden Hazelwood who tore his ACL just before the start of the 2020 season. Um, we, he was a dude that probably would be drafted really high if it weren't for that injury, but he, he didn't come back till basically the end of the year. So, We didn't get to see a whole lot of him. I do think he will end up being the leading receiver for Oklahoma next year. Um, I know that sucks for Marvin Mims, but too bad he's better. Um, Number two on my list is Parker Washington. He was a, uh, he ended up being the second leading receiver on Penn State last year. I think he had about, I don't remember how many yards and I'm not going to look it up, but he was really good and um, was a, I mean, wasn't a super highly touted prospect. Wasn't the guy they thought was going to make an impact, but sure did make an impact. So if that offense gets going, I think he's just a name to watch. I like him um, more for Debbie than I do his teammate, Jahan Dotson. So yeah. but he's a lot cheaper. Uh, number three on my list. And uh, it's a guy that I, I I feel like I talk about him every single weekend. It's Brew McCoy, um, former top 10 overall player in his, in the class of 2019 uh, was a uh, list as an athlete went, Went to Texas, got homesick, came back to USC, um, missed his full year, and now all of a sudden he went into a room that might have been one of the best wide receiver rooms in the country. And for me, he made a lot of the flash plays that I was hoping to see. So him and Drake London are going to be really interesting to watch next year because whoever really becomes that next guy in line will will probably put up some pretty serious numbers because of the air raid. So uh, I like uh, all three of those guys as... Uh, dudes you don't necessarily have to pay up huge for. Um, but yeah, uh, now let's get to the position that's not fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah, we can roll through this one pretty quick. It's the same five names in diff- slightly different orders. Uh, yeah. Number five on my list is uh, Jalil Billingsley. Uh, I I don't know how effective the passing game is going to be next year for Alabama. Uh, while I do think that Billingsley is talented, I I sort of think they're going to try and utilize a lot of their new... Um, new wide receiver talent because I think they want to establish the guys that are going to be there long-term. Whereas Billingsley is not really someone I think is in their long-term plan. So um, he is my number five. He made a couple of impact plays this year.
1: Yeah. My number five is your boy, Jeremy Ruckert. Don't look at his receiving stats. He only had 13 receptions in five games, um, which I guess that's not that terrible for a tight end. Uh, but man, he put up five touchdowns. The dude is a touchdown machine. He had some just absolutely studly plays um, against Clemson that really were eye-popping. Um, I think he could be really, really special. I don't know if he will get the, um, the stat production that we might want uh, f- just from a, a, a strict like numbers look great. He's someone that you need to target high, but, uh, but I think he has the skill set. I think he has the, the hands to to produce at the NFL level. Yeah, he was a former top prospect in
2: his class, and I, I do like that. Um, next on my list is uh, is uh, Jalen Wittermeyer from Texas A&M. He's fine. I mean, it, this is where, for me, there's not a lot of excitement. He has two back-to-back years where he had at least 30 receptions. He had 447 receiving yards and six touchdowns as a freshman, 506 yards and six touchdowns as a sophomore. That type of production is going to get is very solid for an NFL prospect and at six foot five, 265 pounds, there's going to be a lot of uh, NFL teams that see him as, Hey, maybe we can go use him as that tall guy. We need to throw to when we get close. So I am um, I'm fine with him. I just think that there's not that much excitement at this position at this point. So I am totally comfortable uh, not taking him.
1: Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, guy I'm going to talk about, you have ranked uh, higher than I do, but it's Michael Meyer, uh, six foot five, 235 tight end from Notre Dame. What's that? He said he murders the game. Yeah. He was the number two tight end in his class. Uh, super, super productive year, really. I mean, freshman year had 42 receptions, 450 yards, only two touchdowns, but again, Notre Dame, um, they didn't throw, uh, Ian Book wasn't throwing for uh, a shit ton of touchdowns. We saw a lot of Kyron Williams there who we did not talk about actually earlier. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, I was excited about Kyron early in the year. kind of fizzled off, but um, Meyer, I think he has the frame uh, to be really productive. I'm excited to see what he can do this upcoming year. I mean, he, again, he was only uh, a, a freshman and he was putting up these types of numbers. So I think he has a really high floor, but the ceiling is also super high as well. Um, yeah, Michael Meyer, definitely Mayer. I don't actually know if it's Meyer or Mayer, but definitely a name to keep an eye on. Um, if you are in a tight end premium or if you're uh, just absolutely crazy and play in two tight end league like I do, uh, someone you might want to go after sooner than later.
2: Yeah, uh, number three on my list is Ruckert. Again, we kind of mentioned him, or I mentioned him a lot this year actually as a guy that is his stat production is never going to be impressive at Ohio State. Hopefully this year they actually do start to use him a little bit with some of the other options leaving. However, I don't think that's going to be the case because the wide receiver room is just absurd. Um, but he is the type of guy that's going to kind of look amazing at the combine. And if there's a combine in 2022, which dear God, I hope we're at that point, there's a combine. Um, he's going to test well, he's going to do well in a lot of the drills. And he is a guy that has a lot of the flash plays, uh, I do wonder a little bit about how an NFL team is going to project him. But the one thing that has been sort of a big statement coming out of camps is that his, his blocking has improved a lot, which means that an NFL team isn't going to run away from him. So with that being said, he's my number three.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've got a guy you talked about already. uh, Texas A&M tied uh, His game against Auburn was absolutely insane. I watched every down of that game. And and they really focused their offense on him. He had eight receptions and two touchdowns and you could tell that there just wasn't any way to, to slow him down that day. And he has the potential to be a difference maker. He has the, um, he's got great route running skills and good hands. I think he could be an absolute beast. So I have him at number three. Again, all these guys we are talking about, same names, different orders. Who's your number two? Mayor for me. Mayer for me is number two largely because they did basically see
2: him as a, we need to put him on the field right away as a true freshman, which is not typically the case with true freshman tight ends. He ended up tying for the lead on Notre Dame in receptions and was second in uh, total receiving yards. Like you said, the, the touchdown numbers weren't really there, but Ian book is just kind of hot garbage. If 15 total touchdowns on the year, they played 12 games. He had 15 total. <laughs> How gross is that? Um, uh, May- Meyer, Meyer, murder. Um, he's really good. Um, I-, I do think that we'll see a little bit more of improvement, really hoping they end up starting Tyler Buckner next year. Cause that offense would be so much more fun with Tyler Buckner. Um, but yeah, so keep an eye on him. He's he's honestly, if I'm in a Debbie draft, he's the only other one I would consider other than my number one. So yeah. Yeah,
1: uh, my number two is um, Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama, six four, two thirty. I just think something that we've talked about a little bit is just the amount of production that's leaving Alabama from their wide receiver and running back positions. And I think Billingsley could be Uh, major benefactor of that Uh, a new quarterback coming in as well often looks to that tight end position. I think Billingsley, you know, he's usually used kind of as a a large slot receiver. He's not usually in line all that much. So I think his production will go up quite a bit. He only had 18 receptions this year. I expect that to increase. I think he has the, um, the speed and the size combo that could be very tasty for a GM looking to utilize like that big slot, um, receiving tight end that that has become very popular in the nfl so i think i just think he's going to be able to be productive at the next level so uh billingsley for me is a guy that uh i'm willing to take a shot on um earlier than probably most people we have and, the same uh, number one, So go for it what we have the same guy at number one so go for it i was going to say we should say it on three. One, two,
2: three. eric gilbert sure. eric, eric, you didn't do it um, so Eric Gilbert was the tight end at LSU last year. He was a true freshman. He was one of the top overall prospects in the class of 2020. He had 35 receptions for 368 yards and two touchdowns. We mentioned it a few times. LSU's offense was pretty anemic. Uh, his two touchdowns was, um, almost 10% of their team touchdowns, which is kind of gross. Um, whatever they, that offense was really not fun to watch. He was third, uh, he was the third leading player in. Uh, receptions for the team. He, I believe, he was fourth in total yards. He's really good. He's a freak athlete, and now he's not playing for LSU anymore. He's playing with a uh, with a coach that has proven that he knows how to utilize really freaky athletic tight ends. And at six foot five, two hundred and forty nine pounds, um, I would I would call him a freak. So I think Eric Gilbert at Florida is going to. Make Florida fans miss Kyle Pitts less. Not that they won't miss him, but they'll miss him less. So um yeah, I, I
1: mean I love the landing spot. I think he's he's gonna do very well. So yeah. Yeah, I I absolutely a hundred percent agree. I think he is going to be a stud. You gotta wait a while though. That's that's the only problem. Uh the the only downside is that he is a true fresh or that he was a freshman. You're going to have to wait a couple of years on him. And then, you know, in the NFL, a lot of times it takes a year or two for, for tight ends to develop. So you might be waiting a while before you can just slot him in. However, if there's going to be a Kyle Pitts type player, um, it's going to be Eric Gilbert, um, super big guy, but also extremely athletic, good route runner. Um, he's able to, he's able to dominate at all, at all facets of the game um, that, that are relevant for, fantasy football so i'm excited i don't know uh how much like high school tape you've seen on him but he just is it's just unfair like they just throw the ball up and he gets it every single time it's ridiculous i'm excited to see what he can do at florida it'll be uh it'll be fun do you have any dark horse guys at tight end so i have one
2: and he's old as dirt but he's a family friend and he is returning to football this year hopefully Uh, and that's uh grant calcaterra he did Everyone remembered his freshman year where he was like really dominant, not really dominant, but he made a lot of like some of the flash plays, the similar stuff that we talk about with record. Um, I remember, I think it was like a pretty crazy one-handed catch in the big 12 championship game. And he was starting to get a lot of buzz. And then he just really started missing a ton of games as a sophomore. And there wasn't any reporting about it. No one was really willing to talk about it until he eventually medically retired for concussions. Well, after about a year off, um, and I'm assuming some consulting with uh, physicians, he decided that it w- he was comfortable returning to football and originally transferred to Auburn. And um, when Auburn's dumpster fire of a team happened, he left and went to SMU. SMU has, um, I would I would define it as a fun passing offense. What, would you agree? Absolutely. So um, I think that could provide some opportunities for Calcaterra. And if he does decide that he is going to go to the NFL or and give it a try. We've seen highlights from him and I think he could be a player that can still succeed in the
1: NFL. Yeah, I I like I remember talking about him a ton and uh we were like really disappointed when he stopped playing because he just looked like he could be like I think we had him ranked as like the number 2 or 3 uh tight end uh, potentially in that class. So, um definitely someone that uh I would love to see uh come back. So someone I'm going to talk about is a former defensive end who was transferred to tight end for this upcoming year, Uh, but someone who the Oregon Ducks utilized an awful lot, uh, partially because of injuries, but he has, (laughs) the dude is six foot five, 258 pounds and can run. Uh, His name's DJ Johnson. If he can clean up his hands just a little bit, he could be really, really exciting. Um, I'm not going to use, again, we're talking about dark horses here. I'm not going to use a a pick on him, but he is someone that I'm going to be looking at. Uh, he, he had in four games, he had three touchdowns and each one of those touchdowns was a play designed specifically for him, but he had 113 yards, um, on the season in those, in those, uh, four games. So, so nothing like outlandish and exciting. Um, but I think he has, um, you know, his first year switching over to tight end, uh, he has the ability to be, uh, someone that, you know, we end up talking about, um, from time to time, so I uh, just wanted to throw his name out there, DJ Johnson, tight end, Oregon. I, I can support that. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't believe you at all, no. uh, but I'd like for it to happen. It'd be fun, and the kid is, yeah, he's 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 very athletic. He just drops some passes, so if he can clean that up, I think it could be really fun. Yeah, I, I'm. That is uh, how I feel about a lot of
2: tight ends. So. He's a player uh, who is a tight end. That is all we need. To tight end and that is a football position. So yeah.
1: <laughs> well, cool, man. It was uh it was good talking to some Debbie players, um, our top five at each position. We'll be back in two weeks to get into I don't know what maybe by then we'll have some time to get into some coaching talk. I think that'd be fun. Uh, but yeah, uh, good conversation. Definitely stuff to look at. We'll be, we'll be diving into to more and more as the offseason continues. Um, again, we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening. Matt, anything you'd like to leave the listeners with? Bye, Chris Olave. You get to say it a whole nother year. I love it. All right, guys. Thanks for
0: listening. <laughs> Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran.